Hello, this is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic medium and intuitive, and I'm coming to you from Humboldt County, which is in Northern California, where the redwood trees meet the ocean. Aloha, my name is Jude Lynch, and I am a psychic intuitive energy healer, hailing from the island of Kauai, the garden island of the Hawaiian island chains. Welcome to Spirit Speakers Podcast, where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Aloha, friends, and welcome back. Patty and I are excited to bring you a new podcast on soul retrieval. But before we get into it, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you for all of your comments on iTunes, on Instagram. It's been really fun interacting with all of you and watching this community build and grow together. Patty and I are going to put our best efforts forward to getting all of the new releases out at the new moon. Now you know when to look on our Spirit Speakers podcast website or through your iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is you may be listening to us. Patty's going to introduce what soul retrievals are. And I just want to take a note here to tell you that I am going to leave a song, a new song that I wrote about soul retrievals at the end of this podcast for your listening enjoyment. So Patty, if you could tell us all, what is a soul retrieval? Hey, Jude. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. So soul retrieval. Let's start off with our soul. So we know that our soul is the part of us that exists beyond our physical body. It's the part of us that existed before we incarnated into this present life. And when we leave our body and we leave this life, that's where we're going to return is to our soul. In our lifetimes, there are times when we experience trauma. And when that happens, oftentimes we will leave our bodies. If it's too much for us to take, it's too much for us to handle, we will leave our bodies in order to survive the event that's happening to us. And sometimes when this happens, a vital part of us leaves, and some believe that we actually separate from our soul. And if we fully separate from our soul, we know that we pass, that we die, but we can disconnect from our soul or separate in parts. It's as if we lose connection with our soul, and that is called soul loss. Other times, during times of stress, loss, or change in our lives, we can become fragmented. Our energy can fragment. It's almost as if you were to tap a mirror and all of a sudden the glass kind of breaks into all these fragments. I've seen this pretty often with clients where I'll look at them and I'll say, oh, you're totally fragmented. So when we fragment, we lose our groundings and we lose our connection and our sense of wholeness and completeness. Our energy is all over the place. Sometimes when this happens, we can really do a lot of grounding exercises and meditation and visualizations to help bring those fragments and all those little pieces back home. Sometimes I'm able to help my clients with that. And I know Jude has done that as well. And there are also times when the situation passes or we tend to acclimate or rebirth into something new and it will correct itself. And this can be a temporary situation or it can be something that goes on too long. If it's severe or long lasting, it can actually manifest into different types of disassociation and uh, mental and physical illness, and it can actually lead to being disconnected from our soul. So also our soul is magnificent. It has the memory of all of our karma, 
from every life that we've had. It has a memory of every experience, every feeling, every thought from all of our past lives and from all of our times of embodiment. So if you are a person who holds a strong connection to a past life experience, or you have like cellular memory of it, it can cause phobias. It can cause confusion. It can cause pain and difficulties. And we've talked a little bit about this in our past life episodes. And Jude and I have both seen this with people. It's kind of like there's a past life where they've already achieved their lessons and they've already worked through all of their goals and their karma, but they just have this connection to that past life that they can't seem to let go of. And it keeps them from being fully present in this life. Well, this can also be part of a soul splitting. So sometimes along with this, the soul can actually be partly in-housed or remaining in a past life instead of this current life. And that also can be an issue of the soul needing to be retrieved. If you think of all that our soul knows, all the wisdom that it holds, it kind of spans out and covers so much space that sometimes it kind of wanders off course or it gets stuck in past areas. So our soul can actually get trapped or stuck in a past life experience, or it can even get trapped in our ego body. And so a loss of soul or a fractured or disconnection from soul is what shamans consider a spiritual illness. And so this is where soul retrieval comes in. Soul retrieval is a healing that was done originally by shamans. It's a shamanistic term. It can be done by many different practitioners, and it is a healing process in which we are reconnected with our soul or all of those fragments are brought back into place. So what will happen is you will see a shaman, a shaman will diagnose the issue and actually travel out and retrieve your soul or the soul fragments and return them to the client. They can also free the soul when needed. Sometimes the soul gets stuck and needs to be freed. They have the ability to navigate the spiritual world, travel multidimensionally and reconnect with your soul and your divinity, and then bring that back in and help you reintegrate into a space of wholeness. So a psychic or energy healer can also assist with this as well. And we also have the ability to do that ourselves. Sometimes we have work to do before we're ready or able to retrieve our soul or to connect with that. There are other times when if we trust in divine timing, or it may just occur on its own or with a spiritual awakening or spiritual expansion. Sometimes when people are having you know, a, a time of spiritual growth or spiritual expansion. That's what they're doing is they're expanding and reconnecting with a part of them that has been disconnected or has lost. So however, while it's nice to be patient and trust in divine timing and do your work, depending on the severity of the separation from your soul and how it's affecting your well-being, if we ignore it or let it go too long, like I mentioned earlier, it can manifest into physical and mental illness. There's a lot of mental health diagnoses that is believed to be directly related to the need for soul retrieval. I know Jude, that you have some things to add to that, but I would just like to say before we move on that this is one of those terms that I think is kind of hard to wrap your head around. I have some trouble with it. And Jude and I, sometimes we think we disagree on things, but we just have different terminology or different words for it. And the more I thought about it, I realized that a lot of the work that I do, even though I put it in different words, may be a type of soul retrieval for my clients. 
But if you think about your soul, like I believe that the soul is divine and perfect and it holds the ultimate wisdom of not only our lives, but of the entire universe. It is an aspect of wholeness. It is oneness. It belongs to oneness. So how can it split? How can it fracture? How can it get lost? You know, I wonder if sometimes if this is more of a human issue that we're unable to connect with our soul rather than our soul splitting off. I don't really see how the soul can screw up. So I'm curious <laughs> how you refer to that, how, how you answer that, Jude. Thanks, Patty, for all of that wonderful explanation. I agree with you. Sometimes we can get caught up in the vocabulary because somebody coined that phrase and they want to box it into something very specific. And I don't actually really see it that way. I like the term soul retrieval because it essentially describes what it is that I feel like I experience as a healer when I'm working with clients. In fact, I was doing what I would consider soul retrievals years before I even knew what a soul retrieval was. And it was when I heard or was described the definition or read up and researched on it, I was like, oh, this is an aspect of what I've already naturally been doing as a healer. And I do agree with you that our souls are a reflection of the oneness and the wholeness and that we are divine, perfect beings. And what I would consider the parts of us that get fractioned off, fractured, broken, or pulled apart is part of the human experience. It's the filter we have in this human incarnation with all of our traumas and our wounds, just like we can feel jealousy or hatred or anger, or be violent. These are imperfect expressions that we have as human beings. These energies being so heavy and intense in such a contrast to what our true divinity wants to be in, I think is what can essentially lock up or separate or fracture off a piece of our being. So I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's all divinely placed in part of our learning and in part of our growth to become stronger beings. When we come back to the wholeness and fullness of our true selves, our higher selves, these hard shadowy hallways that we go through in our healing process is what makes us better and stronger souls for the whole. So my viewpoint on soul retrieval is a lot broader than what you might look up and read about. I believe soul retrievals can come in various intensities. Some of them being, as you said, really traumatic where somebody is going through a really awful experience and they literally leave their body. Uh, I know this happens a lot when people are going through any sort of physical trauma, like a car accident, for example, it's so intense that the soul might eject from the body in order not to experience the intensity of the physical damage that is being done. And when they come back into their body, there might be pieces of their energy that still never integrated. Another form of trauma in which I would consider needing a soul retrieval is when we lock energy into us. So if you experienced something when you were younger, let's say you got beat up in the schoolyard in front of all of your classmates and you were mortified, that energy, that embarrassment, that shame that you felt in that moment could be locked up inside your energy field, like a pocket of energy that needs to be cleared. And underneath it is that piece of the soul, that small child, that version of you that felt mortified and embarrassed in front of all of your classmates. But when we have these pieces of us that lock up into these traumas, our life still continues to go on. We grow up, we have new experiences, but all of these experiences are built upon a broken foundation. So for the example of being bullied when you were in elementary school, 
all of how you act in high school and into young adulthood, into your relationships growing up might be set upon a foundation of always feeling insecure or not worthy or always putting too much importance on how other people think about you or feel about you. Sometimes so many years go by that we don't even know what seeded us having that level of insecurity. And as a psychic intuitive energy healer, or as a shaman would do is they would go back and figure out the seed, find the point in which this energy got locked into your energy field. That to me is sort of a soul retrieval, but also I've had clients where I've had sessions where there literally was a piece of their soul floating out in the ethers, lost, needing to be carried back in and reintegrated with their wholeness. I also think that another form of soul retrieval goes beyond just this current incarnation. I believe it can go back through all of your lifetimes. If you had a traumatic death or a traumatic experience between different soulmates, when we re-encounter somebody that we have deep karma with in another lifetime, it can trigger those little pieces of our spirit that are still stuck in that past life with that person experiencing that trauma. So soul retrievals are happening natural just by the unfolding of events in our life. Uh, soul retrievals are something that can be purposefully looked for with therapists and shamans and psychic healers. And soul retrievals are something that everybody can do on their own. You don't need to go see a specialist with it, which is kind of a message I'm hoping to give by the end of this podcast on how you all yourselves can do soul retrievals and how incredibly healing that process can be for you. Another aspect of soul retrievals that I see come from a positive end. It's like past lives that we've had where we were successful, where we were empowered, where we achieved something amazing. But when we come into this current life, we're stripped of all of the memories of those past lives. And what I'm seeing more and more, especially now, and I think there's something very unique about this particular time that we're in with how the frequencies are changing and this level of consciousness that is awakening all over the planet is that we are more and more integrating into all attributes of all of our learning of our soul from our entire existence and coming back into the wholeness and the oneness. So I see oftentimes with clients that I'm watching them retrieve parts of their past lives where they were enlightened and were in touch with their true powers and had special skill sets. And these parts of them are now integrating into who they are now. So I have a very broad sense as to what I want to call a soul retrieval. And like I said, I'm not going to box it into the definition that you're going to pick up online. I'm going to give you my firsthand account and my stories as to how I experience it and how I believe you can utilize this concept for your own healing moving forward. I like June. I'm glad you went into how there can be some positive aspects of your soul still remaining partially in a past life as well as negative. I've seen clients that are so connected to a past life that they have phobias from that past life or fears from that past life and they're done and we just need to clear it and bring everything back so they can be in the present. But I agree with you more and more with clients now. I'm seeing that there are connections with past lives that are really positive. So I guess you could say that there are times when a soul splitting is a positive thing. And, you know, we know that soul loss can be really necessary for survival and to help us get through things. So thank you for mentioning the positive aspect of that as well. Yeah. And I want to say, I'm seeing this more and more. I'm feeling, I've noticed in the number of years that I've been doing this work, 
soul retrievals have always been an aspect of it in one form or another, but I'm noticing in this last year and even more in these last few months, it's like I'm seeing aspects of people's higher selves coming through and wanting to be more present in their current life. Like there are many people who have had a super strong focused spiritual path, whether they were a monk or a priestess or a witch or, or a guru, whatever it might be. But those lifetimes in which people have had where they really achieved that centeredness and that oneness and that connection to spirit or an understanding of the realms, that's all integrated deep within your spirit. You might not remember it right now, but pretty much everybody has had one or more lifetimes where they were living in a reality where they were more spiritually attuned in a community where that was more accepted, maybe more than it is now. We have so many distractions in this modern world. You know, there were parts of us in past lives where we were more connected to the land and more connected to our tribes and more connected to spirit in general. And I feel like those memories of our being are wanting to surface and come out more. And because I believe that these frequencies are changing all over the planet, it's kind of lifting these denser frequencies and kind of wafting them out of the way to allow these higher versions of ourselves to step forward. So ultimately, I mean, I believe that this is the work that we're doing is releasing trauma, making space for the higher parts of our being to step in and let us be our full, whole, vibrant selves so we can live a great quality of life and can contribute to the collective in a really positive and amazing way. And I see it happening more and more. Maybe not everybody else realizes it, but I can tell, and, I, and I've talked to you about this, Patty, too, is that we've both been noticing that kind of the quality of people's spiritual being almost seems more and more elevated as time goes by. Would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. And I see more and more people where spirit tells them that this is their last incarnation. It's kind of like they came here to experience this you know, the shift in frequency. This is their last hurrah. They came down as volunteers to assist, but I see more and more people where their karma is just really cleared. They're just in a very high state. And it's funny because every person I said that to seems to resonate with that. No one is ever, you know, super shocked to hear that. Yeah, I agree. In fact, we just spoke about this together the other day, and I'm also getting the same thing where a lot of clients I know that this is their last time around or clients that I've been reading for a number of years, suddenly those messages are coming in now. And it's because over these last few years, they've released a lot of energy. They've come into their higher being and spirit is kind of clapping their hands and saying, hurrah, you've made it. You've relinquished enough of your karma now that you don't have to go through the loops anymore. And now the roads are going to be open up for you to have your best life and manifest to your highest ability. And I think more and more of us are getting into alignment with that every day. Day. And how does soul retrieval come into play with this is like, we've lived many, many lifetimes, many, many incarnations and have had infinite experiences, both positive and negative and having an awareness that this is a thing and that you can work with this will put you steps ahead rather than waiting for these healing process to naturally unfold on its own. It's like, we can set intention in our healing process and move these energies quicker and come into a better state of being now rather than waiting for things to unfold karmically, which is kind of like the slow way. So as a psychic way back in the beginning, when I first started doing readings, I noticed this pattern, I would be reading somebody 
And I would suddenly see them at a certain age. I would see them at 14, 12, eight, five, whatever. There would always be a specific age in which I would see them at. And generally when I would see them at that age, I would feel an emotional charge. Either it was fear, sadness, anger, whatever it may be. And every single time I would bring this up to somebody, what happened around the time you were 10 or 11 years old? What happened around the time that you were this age or that age? Without fail, they would tell me that there was a major event that happened in their life that triggered one of those feelings that I was picking up on. Sometimes I had gotten so detailed that I would be able to tell them in detail what it is that I actually saw that happened to them. Just by bringing awareness to somebody that something, an event may have happened when they were 10 years old that had locked a frequency of fear in them, that pulse of fear has been pulsing through them from 10 years old. And now if they were 50 years old, all these years and the more time and the more time and the more time that goes by this 50 year old version of this person that I'm reading no longer remembers where that fear started. Just by bringing awareness to that traumatic event that initiated that pulse of fear, I have found has a tremendous amount of healing power for the person that I'm reading. And it's not like that little piece of them integrates and then tomorrow they're fine. What it does is it takes that aspect of their consciousness that they could not process when they were 10 years old and puts it into this wiser more experienced version, this 50-year-old version of them that can process and handle fear a little bit better, that understands what that means and doesn't feel that sense of hopelessness or uncertainty around it. So when I'm seeing soul retrievals, it's not like a quick snap of the finger, you're totally healed. It's like integrating that part of you from a younger year or a past life that couldn't handle it into the consciousness that you are now with all that much more experience that is able to process those feelings and experiences better now. That's my experience with it. I mean, there's a lot of different versions that I would see, but I'm wondering, Patty, do you see it similarly at times with people like seeing pieces of their past that went through a trauma? Definitely. I can read somebody. And like you said, at a certain age, it's almost like all of a sudden the age seven will start flashing a neon lights or something. And it almost looks like a bleep in their lifeline or a disconnect or a jump in their lifeline. I pick up on it because I work so much with guides. And oftentimes when someone goes through a trauma, when they tend to leave their body or to separate from their soul, a new guide will show up. You know, I'm like, oh, a new guide came in when this person was seven. And I'll say, did you go through a trauma when you were seven years old? And if you think about it, spirit guides, there are link between here and the spiritual world. They're as close in vibration as we can get to the spiritual world. And they help us kind of branch the gap. And so when we're in a state, when we are, experiencing trauma and leaving our bodies, I feel like a new spirit guide, or maybe not even a new one, just a spirit guide, an angel, you know, a deity, whatever will come in to kind of keep us linked to our soul, to keep us from drifting apart away too far to help us survive and kind of, you know, keep a foot in our spiritual world and connected with our higher self so that we can continue. So I definitely see it that way that you see that, that move. Yeah. I had a woman one time who was suffering from mental illness and I didn't know this actually at the time that I had read her, she might've been in her sixties. And then I saw her in an earlier year in her life, maybe her twenties or thirties, which is odd. Usually I would go back into a time of being a child, but 
I saw her locked in this padded room with a straitjacket on. And I was thinking that this was like a metaphor for her being like locked or trapped. And after I told her that, she told me that, no, she had a bit of a psychotic break years prior and they put her inside a psychiatric center and they put her in a straitjacket and locked her in a room. Yeah. And that I can only imagine had to be a very traumatic experience to go through. But since that time, they had prescribed her these drugs. And I saw how these drugs were kind of like sugarcoating or putting a bandaid on a situation that she was not able to process. It was locking that part of her consciousness out of her psyche and pushing it in the background. Not that I would ever recommend to anybody to stop taking any medications or anything, but in the session, what we did was we saw the situation for what it was. We unhinged the straitjacket and opened the door and let that version of her out to come back to herself. That's just an example of how sometimes drugs or medications or the addictions, the problems that we have, some people get addicted to sex, alcohol, drugs, whatever it might be to cover up or to soothe something that makes us feel uncomfortable or something we're afraid to look at. And after years and years and years of those behaviors, we can oftentimes forget what even started the whole situation. Part of my healing process has been doing soul retrievals for people who have hurt me. For example, when somebody has mistreated me to almost an inexcusable level, something that's been very healing for me in that process is where I can see all of their imbalances and I can see kind of all the energy that makes them the ugly person that they are that hurt me. Rather than turning away from it, rather than wanting to push that person out of my reality because they make me cringe or because... I'd rather be thinking about anything else but this person who hurts me. I force myself to look at them, engage with their energy, and start moving that energy out of the way to see who's truly underneath it. And without fail, every single time I've done this with somebody that I would consider on some level an abuser towards me, when I peel away the energies that make me dislike them, there's a younger version of them that pops out. Like, that part of them that was this broken, lost, insecure child that was likely abused themselves or that part of their younger self that felt unworthy or nobody cared about them that they're projecting now on me. And it gives me this level of compassion for my own abusers, which has allotted me a space of forgiveness that I wouldn't be able to have otherwise. I think that a lot of the people who do harm to others are merely projecting harm that had been done on themselves. And somewhere underneath all of those distorted layers of their being, they're actually broken people themselves that are in desperate need of a major soul retrieval. You know, it's... It's heavy shit, to be honest with you. Soul retrievals are no joke. To see it at the level of clarity that I see it in and to see how broken people can be and to go into somebody's energy field and interact with a piece of them that is suffering in that way gives you a greater sense of compassion as to what makes people tick and what makes people do the things that they do. I think probably everybody has some level of needing some sort of integration of the broken parts or the better parts of their being. I have a question for you, Jude. So when a soul is stuck, it needs to be free. That's still under the topic of soul retrieval. Some of the examples that you've been using about people holding on to pain or trauma and their soul being stuck there, do you feel that you are freeing the soul or reconnecting the soul? 
Do you, you know, tell? That's a great question. I feel like I'm reconnecting the soul. I don't think I'm necessarily freeing them. It's almost like if you think of every chapter of your life as another layer, and you're thinking of layers of an onion or a stack of paper, you might be 100, 300 sheets in, but it's like that first or second sheet that has the, the piece of you that's broken. It's like I'm taking that layer and bringing it to the surface. I'm bringing it to the forefront where it can be seen, where it can be processed, where it can be integrated rather than necessarily like plucking it out and getting rid of it. It's like it's hidden so far under there. It's, it's like those uncomfortable parts of our being and our experience that we don't want to face it because it hurts so much, you know, because it brings up shame and guilt and fear and sadness and all of these things. And nobody really wants to feel that we have better things to do. I got a million things to get done today. I can't be sitting here wallowing in my sadness about something that happened 20 years ago. So we set it to the side. We set it to the side. We set it to the side before we know it, we've done it so much that we don't even remember because now other problems have compiled on top of the original problem. So what started out as one issue has now turned into another issue with through this other relationship or other experience. And so that this pattern goes. And so we have to kind of like peel back all these layers. And through this kind of soul retrieval process, we're peeling back the 30 layers that we're getting to the seed, the root of the issue, where it all started. That's what the soul retrieval is. Even though there might be infinite amount of experiences piled up on top of it that were triggered by the initial experience, the soul retrieval is going way, way back to the beginning, taking that part of your being and integrating it back into your wholeness and making you comfortable with seeing it, making you comfortable with being with it. And you know that you've had a good soul retrieval integration when you can think or talk or say about these things that used to hurt you in the past and feel this level of indifference or compassion around it. You know, for me, it's like specifically in seeing or talking about people that have hurt me that, you know, you'd get that like cringy, yucky feeling that I don't even want to think or talk about this person. And then I can talk about them, say their name, look at their picture, whatever it might be, and not feel phased by it. That's a really good indication from my end, if, if there is some healing that needs to happen around it. Or for example, when memories come up from your childhood and you still feel those feelings of embarrassment or shame in yourself. You know, for me, that's always been something, oh, that one time I said that stupid thing in front of people. And I like kind of cringe at myself. I'm like, well, there's probably a little tiny piece, fragmented piece of myself that got lost in that layer, you know, and rather than just ignoring it and shrugging it off and continuing on, I've really learned in my own healing process to stop, pause, look at it, talk to that version of me and like bring her back into my being and like and just like facing those uncomfortable shadowy parts of myself. And beyond what's happened in this lifetime, this is super obvious when it comes to past lives. I mean, because how many times have you had somebody, Patty, that was clearly reactive still to something that happened lifetimes ago? I know that you actually are an example of that with the burning at the stake as a witch. You know, I, I see that so often. I kind of think of it as happening more often to people that are extremely psychic or intuitive because they, it's easier for them to stay connected to past lives rather than resetting. So for me, when I see that happening, I will 
cut off the connection to that past life. And I remind them that in their soul is all the wisdom of everything that they went through in that past life, everything that they learned, their journeys, their karma, they're not karmically starting over. They're not losing any experience that was necessary to their growth. However, I kind of go in and kind of snip that connection so that they're able to fully be present here in this life and not be so attached. So I never really considered that a soul retrieval just because again, I'm one of those people that I kind of shy away from some of the the trendy terms for things. But so would you call that a soul retrieval? Yeah, it's interesting. I guess it'd be really the lens that you're looking at this through because I could see how you're saying I snipped or clipped the experience from them so they could be more present in this life. And I can see that because I, in the same way, almost have to tell people like, this is no longer who you are. Like there's a piece of your consciousness that still thinks that you are this person and is still locked in whatever that trauma is. But at the same time, I believe it's a soul retrieval because there's like now a conscious awareness of that aspect of your being that is being brought into your consciousness in this real time. And by bringing that into your consciousness is what is able to heal it. So even though you're kind of energetically clipping it, you're also bringing into that person's awareness that that even happened. And by them being able to digest that and process that is like a huge part of that healing process. It's like making peace or helping them have clarity or understanding as to what triggered these behaviors in the first place. Right. So when I have flashbacks or I have past life recall, and I remember the exact situation of being burned as accused as a witch, that could have affected me in two different ways. It can affect me in a positive way and that I have a better understanding of who I am, that the reasons why I chose to do this type of work in this life, where I have much more freedom to do that. And I don't have to have fear wrapped around that. And I can take it to the next level. However, I also could have affected me in that I could have really held on to that and not been able to practice my work in this life out of fear of being persecuted for that. So that is where sometimes you could probably explain this a little bit better. So this is where a soul splitting can be positive or negative and have beneficial effect on your present life, or it can have a negative effect on your present life. But don't you think that by understanding the trauma that you experienced in a past life gave you a greater sense of peace and empowerment and relief in knowing that you are beyond it and past it? Or do you think that at any point that experience was holding you back in any way by knowing that in this life? Well, for me, it was the positive experience. I felt like it really helped me have a better understanding of who I am and why I chose this job in this life now. But I'm saying there are people that have connections to past lives. If we were to use the same example in a where your soul was split and stuck over in that life to where you could still be reliving the fear of not being able to speak your truth and, and uh, practice what you believed in. For me, it was totally positive, but that's kind of an example where your soul splitting or past life information coming in through a soul can be both a positive thing or it can be a negative thing. Yeah. I think that where it, for me, in my experience, when I've seen it have a negative effect is when people don't really have full clarity on what it is or where it was sourced from. Like they get some sense of it, but it's not until they get the full picture or the full story behind it that they're able to process it better. So you know, I know for me in some of my past life recalls, when new lifetimes have surfaced, specifically ones where I was not a good person, specifically lifetimes where I had done terrible things, it takes me a little bit to process that because I, I get reintegrated with all the feelings that I had of 
shame or sorrow around the things that I had done to other people. And there's a number of days that I'll go through where I actually feel in real time that I had actually done these things, you know, and then I have to process them. But the more clarity I get around the memories of that lifetime, it helps me make peace because I have an awareness that this is no longer me. You know, in my experience, I don't know of anybody, and I'm saying it can't be possible that has a full clarity and knowing of a past life and is still living their life in alignment with those imbalances from the other life. If they have full clarity of it, I don't know if I know that, but I have definitely seen people who have some sense something happened to them in another life, but they just aren't clear on it. And so it's almost like that whole process of, of digging it up and unveiling it to make sense of it is part of that healing process. And when they get that clarity, that's when they're able to fully release it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's why um, past life regression can be so powerful is once we have an understanding of where that is coming from, then we can release it and let it go. A great example of this, and I shared it on another podcast, is my fear of water. I had nightmares of drowning all the time. I was actually, in fact, allergic to water where just by taking a shower, I would get hives all over my body. We always thought it was soap. I've tried every single product in the book. I never liked the taste of water, that water always tasted like rusty, muddy nails to me. And it wasn't until just five years ago or so that I finally had dug through enough of my own stuff to access that piece of me that fully remembered a horrific drowning in a tsunami with Uh, somebody that I loved dearly. And I think the whole experience was so traumatic, but by remembering it, I was able to let it go. And almost immediately water tasted sweet. The hives stopped, the nightmares stopped, you know, and that took an entire lifetime, almost, you know, 35 years of having a sense in the back of my mind that there was something weird around water. And in all my whole life, I'd be like, I must've drowned in a past life. I must've drowned in a past life. Like I had a sense of what it was, but I never actually had the full memory come back to me. But that was a very healing experience. And I consider that a level of soul retrieval of me just reintegrating a piece of my soul, infinite soul being that had been fractioned off in another lifetime. And it's even more difficult to integrate with your past life stuff, because not only are you talking about something that happened in the past, but on a whole nother lifetime in a reality where we're often stripped of our memories of other lifetimes. But I keep coming back to this thing about where we're at now and the frequencies that are changing, I think more and more of us now are more awoken and more sensitive and have more awareness that we are infinite beings who have had multiple incarnations. And just by having that awareness, it kind of opens up these doors for us to reveal these deeper hidden truths of our being. All right. So to get back to a little more of the logistical things here, we've been talking about how trauma can lead to soul loss or disconnection from your soul. And I wanted to just give some examples of what traumas can be. So this can be abuse, whether it's emotional or physical abuse, mental or sexual abuse, also a fear of dying. You know, if if you were ever tortured or felt that your life was in danger or someone was actually trying to kill you, that can certainly separate your soul. Unhealthy relationships, relationships where you have a loss of empowerment and lose a sense of self. And as Jude talked about earlier, um, any type of serious accident, also experiencing loss. And we've talked in past episodes about how when a loved one 
passes over how sometimes we will kind of separate and follow them out. That's when people get in car accidents or trip and break their leg or cut themselves when they're chopping an onion because we're out of our body. And what's happening is our soul has separated and started to kind of leave with that person that has passed. Also any out of body experiences, near death experiences, abandonment and rejection can cause this huge life changes. So you may not consider getting a divorce or um, a big loss in income or a change in job or something traumatic. However, those are traumatic life events. And when those are really difficult to deal with, you can separate from your soul and go out for that. So big life changes, also addictions. And Jude also touched on addictions. Being separated from your soul or having soul loss can lead to addictions, but addictions can also lead to soul loss. There are medications out there that just take us out of our sense of wholeness and completeness, and that can lead to that. Also prolonged pain, people that have chronic pain, you know, and it's just hard to get through the day. It can get to a point where it's too much for them to handle. And so they can leave their body. Anything that causes PTSD, of course. Um, also, whenever you have been forced to act against your beliefs or your morals, or like Jude was talking about shame or embarrassment, when maybe you weren't forced to, but you did something that really went against what your core beliefs were or what you felt was the right thing to do extreme shame or guilt, witnessing something horrific. You know, if you see something horrible, you can certainly separate. And I'm throwing this one in, but puberty. I don't know that I have ever read anyone that didn't have some type of trauma or, or you might call it soul loss or been fractured or lost their sense of self during puberty. It's, I mean, it's a huge life change and traumatic in its own right. I had a wonderful time in my life during those years. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of negative things happen. And I look back on it with really positive things going on. However, it was totally traumatic and I totally fractured and lost sense of who I was and didn't know who I was. So when I'm looking, we talked earlier about how an age might pop up like six, seven, 10, it's usually like, you know, seven and 12 or 13. It's right. Those are always as a secondary <laughs> trauma point yeah. in, during puberty, even if they can't think of anything specific, it's puberty. <laughs> it's very interesting. I also see the same thing. Cause I think about that age seven is when we have enough awareness of the world where we're realizing that there's more going on than just being this innocent kid. We're kind of like, wait, this is wrong. And this is right. So that tends to be a common age that six, seven, eight period. And then yes, puberty yeah, also being, mm -hmm. and even adulthood. I would like to add that these traumas don't necessarily always have to be inflicted by others. They're things that mm -hmm. we can do to ourselves. For example, and this is more lighthearted one, but the most recent one that I broke through, and it seems pretty trivial, but I'm 40 years old and my whole life I had been an artist and a painter. And I used to love painting specifically with acrylic paints. And I painted every day through high school and into my young adulthood. I just loved painting. It was a big joy for me. And then at about the age of 26 or 27, I suddenly stopped and I'm 40 now. So what is that? 13, 14 years later, 
it had gotten so bad that it literally felt like this bowling ball weight in my belly that was keeping me from putting any paint to a canvas. I would pull out the canvas. I would pull out the paints. I would even start a sketch, but never ever in 13, 14 years, did I ever put a drop of acrylic paint on a canvas. And it got to this point where I was like, this is ridiculous. Like what is wrong with me? There's seriously something that is keeping me from actually doing this. And so I just recently went to Peru and I went to an artist's retreat and I went with the huge part of my intention to force myself in a situation where I would have to pull out paint and have to put it on a canvas. Like I wouldn't have a choice to not do it. And I had to go to this extreme level, but on my way there to this art retreat, I wanted to understand why it is that I even stopped painting in the first place. And I had this recall, this memory of being 26, 27 years old. My art had been seen by somebody who wanted to help promote me. And she brought me into this visionary art circle and invited me to this festival to go share my artwork with people. But I had no idea what I was stepping into. And what happened was when I saw the caliber of artists that I was showing my artwork with, I was mortified because the people that I was showing my crude amateur as I saw artwork next to were truly masters. These are people who had like ridiculous amounts of raw talent and tons of schooling and training and learning. And I felt like I was drawing stick figures next to Michelangelo's. You know, it just was like, I was so embarrassed and so mortified I had to dig through this and remember feeling that I just wanted to run away. I just wanted to take all my paintings and throw them in the trash and burn them and never show them again. And I told myself at that time, you will never achieve the level that these people are at. So you might as well quit now. And I told myself in the heat of my own embarrassment, quit painting find any medium but painting because you will never achieve the caliber that these people are in. And I locked that piece of me that loved painting away in that moment. And then years and years and years went by to the point where in just recent years, I no longer understood why it was I couldn't just seem to paint. I really wanted to. I felt the call to, I have many ideas of paintings that I want to do, but yet I couldn't seem to just get it on the canvas. And that was a like a little trivial soul retrieval that I had to do, but something so minor had a massive impact on me. I've stripped myself of the joy of doing something I really love for the last 14 years. So it doesn't have to be something major to have a big impact on you. And it doesn't have to be something somebody else did to you to make it a thing. I did that to myself. Anyone listening, you guys are probably all like, oh, that's not true. You're worthy to paint. I get it. And I I know that now, but this is the magic of soul retrieval. It's like, I'm 40 years old now. I know that. And I can look at that piece of myself and tell her that's silly. You are worthy. It doesn't matter that you're not a master painter. It doesn't matter that you're not perfect, you know, at what you do. And it doesn't matter if people like it or not, or if they want to judge it, you know, it was like all of this part of my learning 14 years later was able to tell that to that part of myself. And now I can't even wait to paint. I've been working on a drawing. I'm going to start a painting and I'll be sharing it on my Instagram. And it's the first painting I'll be doing in 14 years, but I'm super excited about it. But that's the power of a soul retrieval. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things, Patty, with you is I got to witness a few years ago when you had gone to Cornwall, England and went on that priestess retreat. 
and saw you integrate with a past life version of you that was very empowered. It was a priestess version of you that lived your whole life in accordance to magic and ritual. And I saw you reconnect with that version of yourself. And to me, that is an aspect of that positive soul retrieval that I believe is a thing that I want to categorize with soul retrievals. And it is in my belief that when we reconnect with that version of ourselves, we are reintegrating with all of that knowledge and wisdom and power that we once had. It makes us more confident in all that we do. Now, I'm curious on your end, if you've noticed a shifting point from who you were prior to that moment and who you are now in terms of the spiritual aspects of you since that time. Thanks Jude for bringing that up because again, I don't know that I ever would have actually phrased that as a soul retrieval, but it totally is. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And I've talked about this a little bit and I don't want to be too redundant here and too repetitive, but I had a client that had some vivid dreams about me as an old witch that she was in Cornwall, England. She'd never been to Cornwall, didn't know anything about it and had taken her son to be healed by this witch. And so as things unfolded, someone just pretty much said, I think I'm supposed to tell you about this retreat. It's going to England, blah, blah. And I said, is it going to Cornwall? And it was. So when I got to Cornwall, I was expecting to kind of connect with my old haggard witchy self there. And I actually ended up meeting myself from a past life. Her name was Bridget. And she was a young woman, probably about 17, 18 years old. And she was that witch, but as a younger person. And I got to see, as you said, how she just embodied magic and just had this light, airy, mystical, magical energy about her that I got to not only witness, but to feel and kind of, um, revisit or remerge with, which was spectacular. And also the fact that Jude turned 40 this year and I'm turning 60 here soon. We're 20 years apart and getting up in age and, you know, having the creaks and, you know, the back issues and the skin issues and stuff as a, a person that's aging can be pretty damn depressing. And when I got to meet this woman who was an aspect of myself from another life, it just reminded me that things don't end. So to be reminded that it's your choice and you can come back as many times as you want and you get to choose on what you want to experience and where you're going to live and what you're going to do. And to see that in embodiment was huge. It did lead to a sense of wholeness and completeness and optimism, I guess, than I've ever felt before. And from an outsider's point of view in these last few years, I've seen you really embrace your witchy priestessy side in a way bigger way than you even were before. Like you've really dived into your magic crafting and your more intense quality to it with your intention. It was like the level or the potency of your intention have amplified by a ton. I think even since then and your interest in being witchier, you know, yeah. And it was funny because I, I met her on a beach outside of Merlin's cave and she was running around and showing me like the waterfall and picking up stones. And she was so connected to nature and, and saw the beauty and everything around her that it's really opened that up for me too. I kind of, I'm kind of sad that I had to wait till I was this age to really start connecting and appreciating nature and, and the magic and everything that the earth gives us and, and how we can experience and utilize all that, that I really definitely got that from that experience as well, which was amazing. 
Yeah, I love that because as I said earlier, we've lived so many incarnations and there are these lifetimes where we were more connected to the earth and more rooted in our spirituality. And those parts of us and those memories of our being are still in there. They're just hidden behind the illusions or the other experiences that we've put in the way that have blocked us from that. And as we work on ourselves and as we're lightening our energy and lightening our load, we're making room for those higher versions of ourselves to come up and take space in our present being. And it's not like we have to learn that over again. We're simply almost just remembering that that's who we originally were. You know, I can think of a few instances in my life that I could consider soul retrieval, but I feel like you are constantly doing that. I just feel like you're constantly connecting with a past life or a a new source of energy or a new part of yourself or a new gift, or I feel like you're constantly pulling in new pieces of yourself and reconnecting in like bigger and and stronger ways. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like you're constantly retrieving? Constantly. Connecting? Constantly, constantly where I'm almost (laughs) like, can we have a break for a little bit? Because (laughs) I feel like I came in with so much karma. And it was like, I really did a number on myself in this lifetime. I'm like pulling up my sleeves and like, let's get to work and dig through it all. And it almost is like this pending feeling that I've had that I need to hurry up, you know, shake the cobwebs out that are in the corner and do the deep clean with the fine tooth comb. Like I need to get all this stuff out because I have a purpose and a mission and I need my energy to be clear and elevated for what I'm supposed to be doing for the second half of my life. And I feel this level of completion now at the age of 40 that I've kind of uh, moved through the last little bits of things. And I wanted to share one of my past life soul retrievals that just happened to me when I was in Peru. I had the great honor of being able to go to Machu Picchu at the end of March. And to my surprise, the second I got up there, I had that level of familiarity. And the closer and closer I actually got to the runes, I mean, I could smell it, taste it, touch it, hear it. I was like, I feel like I've been here before. This seems so familiar. I felt that level of familiarity that I couldn't quite place. And when I went to go walk through the threshold of the doorway that actually entered into Machu Picchu, I got blown back by this sort of gust of wind and this wind went through me and all of the memories of a past incarnation that I had there came flooding back into my being. And as I looked through the doorway, I could see all of the people that I loved, all of the people that I knew, the community that I grew up with, walking down the streets, sitting on the stone walls, all the things. And I sat there and cried for several minutes, just sobbing because on one hand, I knew that these people were not there. It wasn't like their spirits were still there. These were just imprints of memories of something so far long gone from my experience, but something that I cherished and loved so much. And it was like this grieving process had to take place before I was able to actually walk through those doors. And of all of my past life recalls, all of my past life experiences, this was probably the most profound one. And as we walked in, and and I don't know if any of you know this about Machu Picchu, but When I went up there, I thought I was just going to walk up to a lookout and take a picture and leave. I didn't know that we were going to be able to actually walk in and walk through all the runes. And this whole process of walking through it took almost eight hours. We were there all day long. And when I looked down at myself as I was walking through there, I was this old Incan woman. My skin was brown. I was old and short and stout and kind of short, thick legs and arms. 
and I knew I was an old woman. I could feel the skin kind of hanging on my face and my body, not as I feel it now at 40 (laughs) or so it starts, (laughs) but, uh, I was walking through there. I would turn the corner and see a new building or a new window and have memories of being a little girl growing up there or having this conversation or the smile with this person. And also as this Incan woman, I also remembered having these spiritual psychic gifts and having this ability to channel with different higher beings that were in Machu Picchu, which is a whole nother story in itself. We shall share another time. But as I was integrating with this, what I understood And how it has changed me since then is there was a lot of spiritual powers that I had in that particular lifetime, which are, were amazing, but what good did any of that do when all my whole life lived in Machu Picchu on top of that mountain? I didn't get to apply it to anybody outside of my community. It was just there. That's wonderful to have all of that, but it didn't really have as much benefit to me in a broader sense because I was not trapped, but I lived in this very isolated part of the world where, you know, I didn't have reach or I couldn't connect to other people. And what I've noticed since I've been back is the quality of my readings, the way information comes into me is so much more profound. I feel way clearer, even more confident, more whole about my process and more secure in what it is that I'm actually telling people. And I knew that this soul retrieval, this reintegration with these wonderful powers I had, and who knows how many lifetimes ago, I feel like it was one of my very first human incarnations, to be honest with you. But to now have access to that part of my power, being able to utilize it in this modern world, where I'm out in a world that is broken and hurting and people are suffering all over the planet. And not only do I have an awareness of this, but I have access to people. I can speak to somebody over in Australia or Europe or Japan, which I do often, you know, it's amazing that I'm able to now bridge this work that I do to other people. And so this is an aspect of why it can be beneficial to do a soul retrieval. I pulled back that part of my power and how much more value it has now in this modern day of age than it did thousands of years ago when I may have lived that particular lifetime. I have a question for you. That's beautiful. Do you feel like that was a happy, prosperous life in Machu Picchu? I would say so. I feel like it was less complicated and it was a simple life. Because I'm wondering if not only in addition to you being shown these abilities that you can utilize to help others, I'm wondering if it's kind of showing you like what your gifts offered you outside of how you use them to help other people, because you have a very, you know, a life as a healer in this life and you were a healer there, but it seems like you were able to utilize those gifts more for yourself and more of a simple, intimate way. So I think maybe, I mean, I'm just curious if you think it was showing you both of those aspects, not only how to better serve your community, but how to better serve yourself through that, how to simplify your life, how to be gentle on yourself, to take time. A hundred percent, Patty, like being in that full memory and recall of being that woman who was a lot simpler, who maybe didn't have as much baggage or as much issues that she had to work through. I was like, oh, I got to feel what it's like to not be carrying all the weight and all of the memories of all the things. And just attuning myself to that frequency for a moment, like I said, makes me feel more confident and more clear about where I stand and what I'm about. Like, I don't even know how to explain it more than that. I just feel more whole. And just the sense of balance. And again, not only like how you can take that and 
put it in the outside world, but how you can personally benefit from it in your own life and find joy from that for yourself as well. Yeah, it was, um, it's nice to remember when life was really, truly good and sweet for an entire lifetime, you know, and when you lived a life that was full of hardships and traumas, and I almost at times felt like it was a curse because, oh, my memories are stained with all of these horrible things. And I'll never know what it's like to feel true peace. And then to be the Incan woman walking through Machu Picchu and to feel that for the whole day was so healing. It was so like, oh yes, I remember. It's like, I'm retrieving that part of my soul that knows what it's like to be truly blissful throughout my entire existence. You know, it was amazing. It was super healing. It's so interesting that you revisited a time when you were an older woman and already experienced life. And I revisited a time when I was younger and could feel that, you know, that youthfulness of anything's possible. And there's still plenty of time to do things. Yeah. I'm not surprised. It's it's the story of you and me. We're always on the other end (laughs) of each other in our experiences. I have a few signs of soul loss where you may need to do some soul retrieval work either on yourself or um, research that or to find a practitioner that can help you. So a loss of grounding. We've talked a lot about grounding. It's pretty impossible to be fully grounded and have a disconnection with your soul. So loss of grounding, as Jude spoke earlier, memory loss, um, just feeling off, disassociation, feeling like something's missing or some part of you is missing and you just don't know what it is. And I've had so many people, so many clients that have come in with that one complaint. Like, I just feel like part of me is missing or I can't find something. So that, and then also strong, serious depression, feeling disconnected with your life purpose, like feeling like you're just a zombie bouncing off the walls and wandering through life. Like you're having trouble staying on your path or even finding your path. Long periods of insomnia can be a sign of this physical or mental fatigue. And, you know, we all get tired and life is tiring, but we're talking about some serious chronic fatigue here, severe or chronic illness, fatigue, again, back to fatigue, fatigue that has no medical explanation, fear or chronic anxiety, feeling lost or confused, feeling detached from reality, a lot of mental illnesses. You know, there's a whole shamanistic view on mental illness, and we've touched on that a little bit in the past. So borderline personality disorder, PTSD, any type of disassociation type of diagnosis, that can also be a sign of soul loss behavioral issues, you know, hatefulness and and disrespect. If you're just somebody that really fights being hateful or has trouble respecting others, that can be a sign of that corruption and combativeness or, you know, war is a sign of soul loss. Any type of act where you hurt other people can definitely be a sign. I believe it would be impossible to be fully connected with your higher self and your soul and purposely and knowingly harm or hurt others. Yeah, I think that any aspect of our imbalance can be attributed to some sort of soul loss or fractured part of our being. And some of those will be major, which would create major symptoms like personality distortions or illnesses of any kind, physical and mental. But everything, even minor ones, little things. I mean, if you start paying attention to what triggers you or your inexplicable reactions to certain things, like why is it that I have this uncanny fear towards something? Or why is it that I can't just seem to uh, have enough willpower? I think you could look at simply everything and anything and 
if you are willing to look at it and Patty and I always go back to just asked, you know, you might not get the answer right away, but once you change your intention or desire to want to understand why it is that you're doing something or recognizing that you have an imbalance of some sort that needs to be healed, I have no doubt that spirit will guide you to that answer. And sometimes that can be done through soul retrieval. What a soul retrieval is to me is not that complicated. It's about, first of all, recognizing that something is off. It's about catching those times that these memories come up and rather than pushing and squashing them down to recognize that you're doing that and stop and sit with it. Allow yourself to feel the pain, allow yourself to feel whatever it is that comes up. And then in your conscious, more wise more experienced version of yourself now speaking to that version of you, giving them a hug, telling them it's okay, telling them that they're safe, telling them that life will be good and they'll get past it. You know, it's like healing that inner broken part of you and giving yourself your own advice or own love or support that you needed that you didn't have that locked you in that position in the first place. You yourself can do that for yourself. You can do that through meditation. You can do it uh, simply just by sitting with yourself in that moment when those thoughts come up in real time. It doesn't have to be this big orchestrated process. Every since I've understood this to be something that we can do for ourselves, I live my life almost daily on that premise that anytime something uncomfortable comes up to stop pushing it away and take a moment to sit with it, something that you could carry for decades that you could relieve in just moments if you're willing to just stop and sit with it. If it's not about hugging and loving and consoling yourself, sometimes if that's too much, sometimes we can just visualize that moment like a balloon and popping it or sending it off into a light or visualizing it dissolving into the ethers, whatever it is, but it's about putting some intention into releasing it or integrating it back into self. It's about taking that pocket of energy that is locked into a lower vibration and healing it. The terminology we are using today is soul retrieval. It's about taking those fractioned pieces of ourselves and bringing them back to the wholeness, whatever that process may be. That's great, Jude. Thanks. You know, another thing is we've talked so much about grounding and centering. We know that grounding is when we send our energy down and bring our energy back up from the earth and we have our full connection um, out of respect for this carnation that our soul decided to do, our soul chose for us to be here at this time. And then when we center is when we go up through our crown, we connect with our higher self and we bring that energy in. The act of grounding and centering, I believe can also be an act of soul retrieval because what you're doing is you are connecting with your higher self, or you could think of that as your soul. And you're bringing that back in, into a place of balance with this incarnation and this physical place. So would you agree with that? Yeah, a hundred percent. And then one other thing um, I had, this is kind of funny. I had a, a reading with a woman and her sacral chakra was just so full. She was a healer. And, and so I was asking spirit for a suggestion and spirit suggested a sacral dump. And what we did is we just dumped everything out of her sacral chakra into the middle of the room and just freed that space up. And then she could decide what she wanted to look at what she wanted to keep, what she wanted to let go, but just to free herself up really 
when we did that, I just really felt her light and her soul come back in so clearly. And that goes right in line with everything you were talking about, Jude, how we can layer things and just hold on to things in the back of our chakra. But I love that sacral jump. So now I go through and I just dump my chakras periodically. I love that. It feels really good. I love that. And uh, that's what I try to describe to my clients often. It's like, we're trying to get this crap out of the way so you can step into the suit. You know, it's like your suit's ready for you, but there's, it's like having... It reminds me of like when you're putting on your pants and there's like your socks are tucked into the legs. It's like, we got to like push those things out of the way so we can get into it better. And we're doing this with our soul bodies. We got to get the crap out of the way so we can be more present. So, yeah. And I think that by the act of being proactive about activating these higher frequencies of ourselves, help lift those lower energies up so we can process them. And so rather than them just staying stagnant, you know, by raising our frequency, by drawing in that light, we're moving those energies again, and it's giving them an opportunity to be healed. Exactly. And in addition to being aware of this and maybe considering working on this, I think this is something that you, many of you are just going to notice happening. Like you're just going to be like, oh my gosh, I think I just reconnected with something because as we're moving into these higher frequencies, as we were saying earlier, seeing this with our clients, it is just happening on its own. Yes. So we can speed up the process. We can fully be aware of it. We can assist in areas that are a little more stubborn, but you might just start recognizing it happening more than actually putting any effort into it. Right. And I think this is a really good point to bring in that this is happening more and more now than maybe it's ever happened in our existence. These frequencies around the planet are super high and that's why it's so difficult. I think this is why it's so challenging because these energies are moving faster and that density is lifting up and we're being forced to look at it and face it. These illusions that we've been pushing down and ignoring forever individually and collectively are coming to the surface and they're having to be purged. They're having to be dealt with. So, and if you probably look back over the number of years of your life, you might notice that there has been more space of healing that has been happening in these last few years in particular. And we're coming into a place now where more and more people are coming into their full light and their full balance. And the more of us that get there, the faster we're going to get to the, (laughs) the good stuff down the line. So do the work. All right. So that's a wrap on soul retrieval and soul loss. Thank you again for joining us. We really enjoy doing this and we appreciate you spreading the word and telling your friends about this podcast and joining us on Instagram and staying in tune with when we're releasing new episodes and also for uh, throwing a few bucks of love our way on the donation button. We really appreciate it. We appreciate all of you and we are growing so fond of our community and all of you out there. Yes. Thank you so much. And stay tuned because I am going to share a new song that I wrote about soul retrievals that are inspired by the many soul retrievals that I've done. So thank you once again for listening and enjoy. Aloha. Take care.
Follow.